are listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, people who read, and how reading at its very best is a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. There is the old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Likewise, if you read a book and don't discuss it, have you enjoyed all the perks of being a book lover? I'm your host, Amy. I've been a member of numerous book clubs over the last 25 years and started quite a few. I love asking people what they're reading so that they'll ask me the same. I'm a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about dogs. And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids. Each week, we will talk with a guest who shares the love of reading, how they impart that passion, and what books really catch them on fire. We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun. Welcome. We have some listener feedback to share. Here is a comment from Kim who says, Please give this a listen. They are always entertaining and very knowledgeable and give amazing reading recommendations. I love Carrie and Amy. It's apparent they love what they're doing. Thanks so much for these kind words, Kim. Book lovers, if you like what we do, we would be so thankful if you rated us on Apple Podcasts or our Facebook page. If you leave a review, we'll read it on the air. Our guest this week, Kara Evans, is a transplant to Louisville by way of New Jersey and Atlanta and was looking for a fun way to meet new people. She's a healthcare consultant specializing in technology, but her hobbies have always included reading and movies. So she decided to create a book and movie club called Books Going to the Big Screen, which can be found on the platform meetup.com, a site with a plethora of different kinds of groups you can join in any geographical area. Kara tells us the benefits and the frustrations of having Hollywood pick your book selections, why she needs crazy good research skills to keep up with the ongoing movie schedule, how their discussions in this club feel completely different than a regular book club when they're comparing and contrasting two different mediums, and how reading has always been her escape. Amy and I are in the studio today with Kara Evans. I sort of discovered her on Meetup, and she facilitates a Meetup group that reads books and then watches the movies. So Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to the area. Um, Let's see. I'm a lifelong reader, dog lover, and movie buff. I moved back from Atlanta a few months ago and used meetup.com to meet new people, and I thought this genre or this format would work. So I'm not that familiar with meetup.com. Can you explain a little bit about how that works? Sure. I've been doing this for probably over 10 years. It's a lovely way to meet new people based on your interests. So you go in, look for your interests, and then people post events. And then you can go to the events or participate as much or as often as you'd like. So what what kind of groups are on there? Bicycling, fitness, geocaching, um, lots of cards and games. There's also genres by age, so fun over 50 cards over 40 and so pretty much anything that you would be looking for would be on there so you started a movie book club group right I created the uh, a club called books going to the big screen 
and I researched and set up a bunch of events for people. We had great response really quickly. About 77 people were down to 73, said that they were interested, and we have about 10 regular participants. The purpose is to read the book before the movie comes out and, the, and get together and discuss the book, but not from a book club traditional perspective. It's not really analysis, it's more opinion. How do you like it? How's it going so far? And then I schedule events for the movies. And then with the movies, I try to set up at least two events. And we go afterwards to some place to eat, and we you know, compare and contrast the book versus the novel. And that's when the discussion's really a lot more fun. It gets analytical into the book, but you know, characterization and plot and plot deviations, it's a different tilt than just your regular book. And it's something that I had done with my kids growing up. I was always the mom uh, with the giant car giant sequoia pile and all those children and their friends and I would be the one to take them to the midnight movie of Hunger Games and but the rule was they had to read the book including their friends <laughs> um, and then it was a long drive back to Bardstown so the discussion was oh my gosh that character they left that out how could they do that that was a terrible book or you know it's a terrible movie it was a wonderful book and it would be fun and so when I moved to Atlanta my girlfriends and I did the same thing Crazy Rich Asians and a few other books because actually when I moved to Atlanta I found old college friends and old high school friends. Atlanta's just enormous. And it was a good way for me to connect and meet some of their friends. And then when I moved up here, I thought, you know, I looked around at the book clubs and none of them were exactly up my alley. And I thought this way I could kill two birds with one stone and meet people that both liked to read and the movies. You said that you meet before the movie mm -hmm. to discuss the book. So do Correct. you all meet with having that many people who are in sort of the meetup group? Where do you Get together. I, po I post things on the meetup group, so I usually set up before a set of books convert to a movie or the movies are released, uh, a reading progress check-in at a quiet restaurant. We've been doing McAllister's. Often we just did Jason's yesterday. And people can show up and meet each other and talk about the book or you know what they're looking forward to about the movies. And oftentimes, because we're tied to the Hollywood release schedule, we may have no books for two months, no movies, no events. So those are nice to put in those progress events. And then in one month, we can have multiple books to have to try and scramble to read before. So planning ahead is really important. And that way, with the progress checks, you're getting to meet people so you're not sitting in a dark movie theater next to strangers, and you get to know each other. So that's where we have about 10 regulars that come in and out and participate. You say there's about 10 that come to the initial book part. Would you say there's more than 10 that come to the actual viewing part? Some, uh, sometimes we've had more because I just, you know, I'm easy. Uh -huh. I, if you don't haven't read the book, still come. You know, yeah. we're not really a very tight on rules book club. It's, it's very easygoing. And that was one of the complaints a lot of people said about other book clubs is that it was very strict. There was a lot of trying to decide what book, who's hosting, and it got a little arduous. So this ours is just for fun, and we don't control the books. Hollywood does. So where do you go to find out what movies uh, are coming down the pipe? Well, that's the trick. So when I did this informally, it was easy. It was watch a trailer. Oh, this is coming. Let's read the book ahead of time. This is a little bit more structured. So I have identified about 130 books that are coming out or the movie rights have been purchased in 2020, 20, all the way through 2021, and then I have a list of God only knows when they're going to come out. There's all different sources. You can type in books going to movies. IBDM has a whole lot. They actually have where you could pay and find out exactly where they are in the process. So I do research on them, and then I check them 
like once a month because the release dates will change. We'll start on a path thinking that this book is coming out in November or, oh, we've got till February and whoops, it's coming out at Christmas time. So I, I do a lot of announcements with the members, a lot of emails. And then to find out engaged participation, I've created these virtual events after having to read three quarters of the Stephen King's It Against My Will, um, only to find out that, and that's a thousand page book, only to find out that no one else was reading it. So I did all that reading for nothing. And as a facilitator, you know, you gotta keep up with things and that's kind of my job, but I didn't want to waste my time anymore. So everybody signs up for the books they're interested in. And that way I know what type of events and to participate in roughly how many people. Sometimes, you know, a movie comes out and then you maybe find out that the book, like it is really, really long. So are there some things that you kind of know a movie's going to come out, but then you're like, I don't really think anybody's going to actually read the book? Well, I post them all out there. And if somebody signs up, I'll read it. I'll find time. I, I read very quickly. But there's one coming out, Jojo Rabbit or something. It's really strange. So I just thought, okay, is anybody doing this? Because this looks weird. Because I'm not. <laughs> really don't want to do this one. Um, but I, and so far, nobody's taken that one. But generally, there's a, the books, at least for 2019, because I started this in May when I moved back, have been fairly mainstream. Where'd you go, Bernadette? And then there, there's some classics coming in, up in the end. Currently, we're doing The Goldfinch. We just finished that. And gearing up for The Current War, which was actually a... Harvey Weinstein film that got shelved when he got into the whole sex scandal thing. So that was shelved for over a year. And so there hasn't been a whole lot about it. We're getting for Christmas season, Just Mercy, which was a book I actually read with my Atlanta friends, not because of the book coming to a movie, but another reading group. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they turn that into a free flowing story, just based on the format. Well, because sometimes, you know, you love the book, for instance, The Goldfinch, I know, has gotten not very great reviews. Not the book. The book got wonderful reviews. The movie has not gotten great reviews. Have you ever thought, uh, maybe it's not? Well, with our little group, The Goldfinch actually was the book that was most controversial. Basically, you know, I personally hated the book. Pulitzer Prize winner, you know. Yeah. And outstanding author, but the amount of detail it dragged on. Everyone mentioned that they skimmed through the, the chunks of the book, which... You know, I'm a Kindle user, so click that button. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's how you viewed it. And then going to the movie, the different people that did show up for the movie, some liked the book and the movie, but they had to cut so much out. They, they condensed an 800-page book to, you know, to less than two hours. Very controversial and what they showed and how much of things they showed and what the difference by changing the plot. And taking out so much detail, what did that do to the characters? How did it frame it? It's a it's a lot different when you compare and contrast two different media. I actually think that that would make for good discussion. I mm -hmm. mean, I find just with a regular book club that sometimes the best discussions are the books that not as many people liked or there's a lot of mixed reaction mm -hmm. to it. It's a book that everybody loves. There's not Sometimes there's just not that much to say about it. Well, it was interesting with Bernadette. The format of the book was all emails. So how did that translate into a free-flowing story? With Art of Racing in the Rain, they, they left out some major chunks to make it more family-friendly. You know, the controversy over, over him being possibly molesting somebody. I mean, it, it made things so different. And those are all the little nuances. And then for me, I've read so many books. A lot of these books I had to either reread or I'll go back and get the cliff notes because Bernadette I read when it first came out. Same thing with Goldfinch. I was not going to reread Goldfinch. So I got like the quick notes or cliff notes uh, kind of version of it. But looking at 
how they change things up and the characters do they even look like what you imagined and it is a completely different type of discussion and they're much more lively and because some people will be all full diehard it's always a book you know books always better like I thought the Goldfinch movie was better than the book because I hated the book <laughs> and I, I very rarely hate books so what's the demographics like do you find that it's all around the same age who come or is um, it is it varied well I've gotten interest and I've reached out to every member I've gotten interest from all different ages. A lot of them are waiting for things to come to Village, especially the younger, where it's cheaper. And so I try to, like, Art of Racing in the Rain is the first time one of our books from this club have gone to Village 8 on the cheaper side after, you know, full distribution. So for people who may not know, the Village, is it Village 8? The Village 8 Theater is a theater that... Discount. So usually it hasn't come to video yet, but it's slightly past... It's prime. It's slightly <laughs> past its prime. Like it's no, maybe no longer in your local Cinemark or something. Yeah. And then I try to do a Tuesday at AMC, which is discount. And the AMC Stubbs members get to go in free or discounted as well for just the plain AMC members. And then a weekend matinee. So I try to keep the pricing. I try to vary at least the weekend one at different movie theaters around town. So you see it twice. I so you have, have two as different. as many times as people sign up to go so if I had another co-organizer that would be you know hey I'll take Tinseltown or I'll take Preston a lot of the folks live and because I asked after I got started and saw how many people you know where what theaters are are you interested in what days of the week so I've tried to to do that central Louisville is really the best because we do have people from Indiana Hmm. come over and they drive over for the events so staying like St. Matthew's that type of area seems to work best because it's freeway central. And the demographic, so far most of our participants are women. Uh, we do have a couple guys that have started showing up. And it's, you know, they have a different perspective. They totally have a different perspective on, you know, the characters and their motivations. They bring a lot to the table. The book, we just had a reading progress event yesterday on the current wars, which is based on the last days of night. And that is all about electricity. And Westinghouse and Edison and Tesla. I saw the previews for that. Okay. Um, And Benjamin Cumberbatch, I think Mm -hmm. his name is, is in it. And he was the one, this is the Weinstein movie that got shelved. And I've learned so much reading that book that I didn't think about before. And the guy who showed up yesterday, one of our members, brought a whole bunch of other ideas and he knew more about that type of history. And, you know, just different flavors, but mostly I'd say middle-aged. We do have some younger folks that, that come in, some in there, you know, I'd say anywhere from like 25, 50, 60. So I, I would assume that most of the books that are translated into movies are fiction, or is that yes, the case? Well, Just Mercy is uh, coming up in December. Is actually, it's by Stevenson, um, is actually a true story. Okay. And that one, I read it. In Atlanta, and it, it reads like nonfiction. So that's why I'm interested to see how they convert it into a free-flowing storyline. I try when I, I have a master list on the site in the meetup group as well that I update when I show who's starring in it and things like that. And, you know, trying to keep ahead of that and keep up with the release dates and move things around. That nonfiction book has gotten supposedly great reviews, and that was supposed to come out in February, and now it's moved up to around Christmas. There's lots of great memoirs that mm-hmm. are made into movies. I'm thinking about Wild by Cheryl Strayed mm-hmm. that was made into a movie. I'm trying to think. I think Educated that came mm-hmm. out this year is coming. is coming. 
at some point. Reese Witherspoon's Sunshine Book Club, Hello Sunshine, her production company buys a ton of the books mm-hmm. where the crawdads sing. So next year and the year after, whenever she gets around She'll to making them. be a bumper them, crop. Oh, yeah. And they're all on my list. You know? <laughs> and I even said, you know, for the holidays, here's the list for the next couple of years. Have your family, you know, buy you some books for Christmas or, you know, Hanukkah. And it will be there because they're going to show up eventually. And they're great books. So I'm interested. You said there'll be some months where there's no book movies that you do, mm-hmm. but then some months there's a lot. Oh, yeah. So what's the most that you've done in a month? Well, we just started in officially in May. So when I first got here, the very first book, when I posted it, happened to come out that week. So it gave very little time for anybody to read the book. And it was The Sun is Also a Star. Mm-hmm. And the book was actually good. The movie was so bad, it was only in town for like one week and oh, at wow. one theater. And that's a YA book, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. You Lots could read of that YA one pretty fast, published. maybe. It, it went fast, but and it was a great discussion. That was the first folks that came to our meetup, and then we didn't have any books for like two months. So to try, I came up with the progress events to get people engaged, because here I had all this interest and nothing to give them. So get to know you, you know, what's your favorite book, how long have you been reading, you know, what perspectives, what's your best favorite book to movie combo and did some meetup groups in june and july and that went over well and then we were gearing up for august august had two art of racing in the rain and bernadette and there was supposed to actually a third one woman in the window that got pushed mm-hmm. so that's the other part we'll start down attack and then all of a sudden it changes and it, you have to pivot so you either finished and you have to remember next year so how much time would you say that you spend mm. doing all of this <laughs> facilitating i mean it uh, sounds like it it's a lot for one it was, person it was a lot it has proven since I formalized it, because it was easy when it was my friends or my kids, to formalize it, to keep people abreast of all the changes. I've put in quite a bit of work, lots of hours of research on the internet, and I've actually gone around and talked to movie theater owners to see, can I get on your early distribution list? Because that's the other challenge, is being able to schedule it when they don't release it. They don't tell you when it's going to actually be. So I can't really go that far ahead. So Village Aid has said that they would share their list. AMC manager said they'd share their list, but they can't tell me how long it's going to be in play. So I generally always hit movies or schedule them during opening weekend because you're sure for sure it's going to be there. And then if there's other interest, I'll try and post another one or have it go to another movie theater like Village 8 to try and get more folks in. Do you have arrangements with the movie theaters? Because well, I think with some of these movies, trying to get there on opening weekend, it might be hard to get tickets. And then to, you have to buy them in advance. So I'll post, okay, I'm in H6, so if anybody wants to buy their ticket and sit nearby, I meet people in the lobby with my little sign, which is made of a fly swatter and uh, <laughs> has books going to the movies. Um, but now pretty much people know who I am, the, the regulars. But I'll, you know, if I see a new face, I'll make sure I have my sign with me. And then you know we'll kind of march up and try and get seats near each other the offshoot is that people are starting to make friends and see movies together and I'm like sure post an event one of the other challenges when I research these some movies don't go directly to the big screen they go to the little screen like Big Little Lies went to HBO that was a phenomenal book one would think it would make a great giant screen movie but all of them are coming through The Irishman which is based on um has Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, all these folks. Martin Scorsese directed yeah. it. Yeah, that is going direct to Netflix. Mm. It may, it may, very small release, but that was on our list to read for November. And mm. all of a sudden, now it's probably for Louisville going straight to Netflix. So I had a member volunteer to do that event in December at her home. So it, it's also the challenge of what's the format going to be because it can look like it's going, and then depending on who the studio is backing it, it will flip down and go to TV and we've again wasted not wasted time but 
the group dynamics kind of lost. So people are also, we went to, me and two other members went to see Downton Abbey sneak peek. And that's not a book, but it was a lot of fun. Um, other people have gone to see the movies if they couldn't meet, make my uh, formal events and met together. So it's good. It's doing what I wanted, which was to have people make, make friends. Proportionately, would you say that there are some people in the group who are like the movies more? I mean, how would you say that mix yeah, um, is? Most of the people are both avid readers and movie lovers. So I don't think it's pick one versus the other, but traditionally the books are so much richer if you're a book lover. Mm -hmm. We do have some folks that are just movies folks and, you know, by all means come. And now they're turning into reading the book in advance because they're seeing what's happening. So, uh, you know, several of them are like, so proud of you. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I did the same thing happen with my kids. You know, I'd force them, you want to go to the movies? You got to read the book. And a lot of them turn into readers. What are some things that you think are unique things about the book movie discussions? Looking at the characters and the casting. So did that actor portray the character from the book well? well not only just their acting skills, but did they take the essence of the character? And then in addition to that, how well did the screenwriter, because sometimes the authors contribute to it, stick to the plot? And what differences in the plot variances did it uh, detract? Or was it a you know, good ad? Sometimes they embellish. Most of the time, though, they're compressing. And has the plot, the difference in plot changed the meaning that the author was trying to convey with the book, the lessons learned or things like that. So like Art of the Racing in the Rain, they did change the plot, but the meaning was there mm -hmm. you know, throughout. Goldfinch, they compressed a lot of unnecessary details, but you kind of got the heart of some of it. Where'd You Go Bernadette was such a different prose to have and to compare, again, the prose versus how they scripted it, because that's all dialogue. That's all stuff that wasn't necessarily there. It was also very interesting. So our book club read that book and also, well, we read the book several years ago. Mm -hmm. Recently, a group of us went to see it. And I'm curious what you thought of it. What did you think um, of it? I think they did a pretty good job because I read Bernadette a long time ago mm -hmm. when it first came yeah. out. And I actually reread that one because it had been so long I couldn't remember any of the details. Usually I can remember most. I think they did a nice job smoothing it through. But the fact that she was kind of lost in her own world and lost her sense of self, they very explicitly kind of put that in the movie. Where in the book you really had to see it. You know, you watched her just... My thought was that the book was a little bit more whimsical, and they mm -hmm. didn't totally catch that the humor, the humor in the book. And also, there's an issue of infidelity in the book that mm -hmm. didn't really make it to the screen that I think really changed the yep. storyline a bit. Yep, most definitely. So what's your background as far as reading and movies go? How did uh, that all start for you? Well, I'm the youngest of five kids, and my siblings are much older than I was. We had a little itty-bitty library in my town. It was an old converted house, and in order to check books out, you had to be able to write your name. So my sisters, when I was about three and a half, four, taught me how to write my name. I got my first library card, because I grew up in the time where you had five TV stations, and that was it. And my parents were avid readers, and they would go to the library, and we'd all, you know, truck up there, and they would take out the max number of books, read, share books, talk about it all the time. And we were very literary. And, you know, every book I ever wanted to read, it was never censored. So I, like, read The Thorn Birds in fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom and dad never shut us down. It, and it was just a big part of my life. And it was also, you know, a way to escape. You know, it was a way to, it was to, 
just go into your own little world through high school and all that same angst that hits people today was all there back then you know or any family drama it was just a nice way to, to go I read my way across the United States after my brother died we did a family trip driving across the United States and I had piles of books and I was in the back of the station wagon with a sleeping bag no seatbelt <laughs> reading across the United States back in the good old days yeah. <laughs> and, I, and even in college I would find time to read when I had kids and it was before Kindles and e stuff you know I always made sure I had a purse big enough to hold my book and at lunch that was my time that was all mine you know when you get home you had mom duty and kid duty and everything else I always my lunch hours were dedicated to reading and I burned through books when my parents were sick I read fluff meaningless fluff no death didn't have to think and I went through probably a book a day it's always been a rock for me when ebooks started coming out in 2008 that's was I was early adopter I've read probably just recorded on the ebook side about 600 books since 2008. Wow. And I can read more if I had time. I've kind of this whole streaming thing. I miss the whole 80s and 90s, or I'd say a lot of 90s and a lot of 2000 TV shows. So it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know West Wing. <laughs> um, I was having, you know, watching TV shows with my kids, Disney you- Channel. Do you prefer an ebook over a or over a solid oh, yeah. book? Yeah, because I can change the font and oh, I don't okay. have to. I, I can read without my glasses, and that is a major mm-hmm. deal. But when I first had them, you had to get a book light. They weren't backlit, mm-hmm. so I've seen them evolve. So for my fiftieth birthday, I bought myself the waterproof Kindle because I could stand in the pool. It didn't matter if somebody splashed me, and I could just sit there and click away. And the paper white one, I was getting purple thumb from tapping all the time. So I'm not an ebook reader, but some I people like just love the I feel. do. I do. But one thing I do really love about an e-reader is that if there's a word you don't know, you can click on it and it will immediately mm-hmm. show you the word because ideally I would look up every word that I don't know when I'm reading and I I do maybe 25% of the time, but I love that feature that you could just click on it or even if it's maybe a term that you don't know, like if you're reading something like historical fiction and you don't know what that mm-hmm. is, I don't know if it's clicking, but there's something that you can do and it will kind of give you a, like a little background. Like, yeah, yeah, a little background on what that means. And that's awesome. My girlfriend was here actually visiting me from back home from New Jersey and she's a reader. She's always, hey, what should I read? And I'll recommend something. But she is a, she likes the crack. And even her daughter, she likes the crack of the binding. She likes the feel of the pages, the smell. I'm like, uh uh-uh. I like to carry around my thousand library <laughs> in my purse. And yeah. You know, when I, at nighttime, when I'm ready, I just tuck it under my pillow and go to sleep. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything, and I can make the font as large or as small as I need to. In all your years of doing, either with your kids or informally or now formally, have there been books that were translated into movies that either you really loved or you really hate it? Um, I would say the Harry Potters and the Hunger Games were wonderful adaptations. At the time, the kids weren't necessarily looking at at books the same way they did, say, when they got older in college. But looking at how well they did and the excitement for reading that the books continued to generate. I mean, Harry Potter's still, like, top of the charts on Amazon. And those movies are fantastic. I actually bought the books, real books, like hardcover. Um, They have illustrated versions, Mm -hmm. Amazon box or one through three 
had a box set and I bought it for in the future to read to my grandchildren with the pictures. Not that I, any of my kids are married or I have grandchildren yet, but I'm planning. It's always good to look ahead. <laughs> That's probably the only type of book, you know, I will, I'll still physically collect. But those were really great adaptations. And then on the flip side, there's a series by Gene All, Clan of the Cave Bears. It was probably six or seven books long, I forget. But we would buy, you know, my mom and dad would buy it, the books as they came out. And we'd all be fighting for who got to read it first. Really great series. Just historical, interesting, prehistoric man all the way through different things. The film adaptation had Daryl Hannah. I, I remember, remember it was that. 1985 because I was in 85, 86. I was in college and it was god awful. <laughs> and it just like if you watch that, they'd be like, why would I read that book? This is the stupidest thing. And the <laughs> acting was terrible. So that would be the, the rainbow, I'd say. But, you know, other people in the club mentioned the different books that they like that, that adaptations been dead on. Like Gone Girl was a, a Reese Witherspoon. There's a lot coming that people are interested in. Uh, Women in the Window, which we prepared for, so a lot of people have read it. We're looking forward to that movie next year. Um, There's about 30 movies coming out next year alone. So just yesterday I saw one that's one of my favorite books of recent time, News of the World by Paulette Giles. Is that one on your radar? Uh, It may be in my pile, but without a date on it. Okay. Uh, Tom Hanks is... I'm not sure if he's directing it, but he's playing the main character. I don't know if you know anything about that book, but it's one of my favorites. It's I think I have that it's one kind of a Western. Anyway, I just saw that yesterday. Maybe Hollywood's always done this, but it seems like recently with the advent of the Netflix, the Amazon series and things, they've just adapted so many books now, mm-hmm. which is great. But I, it would be hard to keep up with. Yeah. Researching that part because it'll look like it's going and then all of a sudden it'll switch. The, and what streaming service? And then I did have a gentleman yesterday ask, you know, how about going back and doing old ones? I said, but well, that would require DVD and people's homes. And, you know, we're mostly women. I'm, I'm not ready to. That's like a, to and that's that like a different club. Right. Yeah. A little bit. Right. Yeah. So this is big screen, new stuff. So would you say that this, the scheduling part, as far as like when the movies actually make it to the screen and that, would that be the biggest challenge you think with a group like this? Or are there um, some others? Not having enough of me to go around because <laughs> I can only go to two movies. And if I had, if I was able to offer more, I think we'd have more attendance or have more reading progress. So in moving back to Atlanta, my daughter's here, old friends, things like that. So my life is, is full. And I, I dedicate, you know, two days at least every month, if not more, three, for this event. And if there's more than one movie, that's even more events. And plus the research time. And But everybody's very sweet. They're very interested, engaged. Their insights are great. And, you know, I think more and more people, I've gotten feedback because I've written to them all saying, hey, I've changed the format. Here's the, you know just so that they're apprised because I started out with no rules just you know show up whatever then I but after the it it fiasco (laughs) incident um Stephen King is not me and so far there's another one coming out the second half of the shining um, the shining Mm -hmm. no one signed up for it I'm like thank you please please." (laughs) it's kind of like when I was pregnant and you would go to the obstetrician and you're like please no twins (laughs) Um, I knew my limits one was enough at a time God love everybody else who's got multiples but you know same thing I'm like please don't sign up for that one or that Jojo Rabbit one. Please, I don't want to read this. And somebody said to me, well, you don't have to read it. Yeah, you do. Other, because I'm, I'm facilitating the yeah. discussion. And, and it's not fair. You know, if I'm asking you to do this, I have to do it myself. So I have to admit, I am impressed that you will list movies. I guess I would be tempted to just list the movies that I was I like, interested mm, in, right? Yeah. And not all of them. So I'm impressed that you list 
all of them. Well, that is a similarity to regular book clubs. You know, book clubs generally plan out a, at least a year, at least the ones I've participated in. And not all of them are your cup of tea, mm-hmm. but you, you mm-hmm. commit. So same thing. They're not going to all be my cup of tea. Can't guarantee that the ones that I read in childhood, like Little Woman, I'm going to revisit. i am probably do the Cliff Notes again. And I do, before the movies, do prepare and look at questions because oftentimes there's questions out there that people have done a preview of the book compared to the movie to see what differences are out there and, and get some information. So like Little Women, I read Childhood. I'm not rereading it, mm-hmm. you know, but I know enough. And I also, the Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, that'll be a discussion point. How does that one differ? The l- newest release uh, with Sayors, whatever her name is. Sorsha Ron- Ronan. Ronan. Mm-hmm. Ronan compared her performance to Winona Ryder. So there's a lot with movies that add a little kind of dimension. Yeah. And if you are a movie lover, it's a lot of fun. And it, we, we laugh a lot. Because I'm just like, can you believe they did that? Because what I find for myself is I will watch a movie not realizing that it's based on a book. Mm. And then I see the credits and then I go back and read the book. So do you ever, just in your free time, does that ever Uh, happen to you? Well, I don't generally read the book if I've seen the movie afterwards. You know, I I like to do the book first. But other people do the reverse. A couple of the folks in the, the thing, that's how what they've always done. But to me, I already know the plot. So it's not as fun. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be surprised with, with plot. And, you know, I can read very quickly and I, I read very diverse, you know, genres, but I, I'd want to be surprised. What advice would you give for someone who either wants to create a book club or is a member of one? Is there any kind of advice that you would give? I would say go easy. The feedback that most of the people that we've chatted with is that the book clubs sometimes get a little too militant. It's supposed to be for fun. It's supposed to be, especially if you post on Meetup, it's for fun. It's for pleasure. And it shouldn't be a chore or any of the clubs. Um, It shouldn't be a chore or work. It should be people getting together, common interests, and enjoy themselves. This is a hazard of doing this podcast because I've already joined one other book club (laughs) because we interviewed somebody about it. It was the one that's at the art museum, at the Speed Art Museum, and now I've I've gone to one of those meetings. But now yours sounds really cool because I I really like watching movies after I've read a book. So darn it. (laughs) I just don't have enough time. Your social calendar is getting very full. (laughs) Hey, we're intermittent. Feel free. So tell us if people are interested in joining, how do they find? you um you have to sign up for meetup.com membership and it's free meetup.com is free unless you're facilitating a group then you just pay to pay for the group and look up books going to the big screen you can type that in or show interest movies and reading and you'll probably show up okay i looked up books and i found them so (laughs) (laughs) okay well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about what we're reading We're back in the studio with Kara Evans, and I've got Carrie here. And Carrie, what's on your nightstand? So I'm almost finished with a book that our book club is reading. Uh, it's called I'm Down, and it's a memoir by Mishnah Wolf. And it's a little strange. It's about a, a girl who is raised by her dad. Her parents have divorced, and her mom does not have custody of her, even though her mom should have custody of her they're white but her father sort of thinks he's black and the dad for a while he was growing pot and he didn't really 
work. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it, I, I think one of our past guests, I'm sure she's read this book because it's very dysfunctional and she, she says there's a lot of fun and dysfunctional. Yeah. This is definitely a dysfunctional family. Now, I know that one of the members of our book club has already read this and she absolutely hated it. I don't hate it. I think it's going to be a book that gives us a lot to talk about in terms of was her father, is he abusive? Is he neglectful? You know, there are some things that probably he did that kind of set her up beneficially sort of made her independent. So I, I think it's going to be, it's going to give us a lot to talk about. But I did want to mention a book that I just picked up yesterday because Amy came, we were at the bookstore together and she came and handed it to me and said, mm -hmm. I really think you'd like this book. So it is called, I just love the title. It's called, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? Big Questions from Tiny Mortals About Death. It was written by Caitlin Dowdy, who wrote the book, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, which is all about death. So some of these chapters just look amazing. So these are the chapter titles. Will I Poop When I Die? Do Bodies in the Cemetery Make the Water We Drink Taste Bad? Can We Give Grandma a Viking Funeral? So they're small little <laughs> chapters, and each chapter is questions that I guess a, a child has asked her about death. And so she talks about the answer to that question so anyway this is right up my alley so i'm very excited so do you know the answer to the question will my cat eat my eyeballs do you know uh, the answer to that? i don't know that oh, i don't know okay. that but and if we let me know you, i will let okay. you know All i will right. let everyone know so anyway that's what i'm reading right now or well uh, getting ready to start reading for that one so kara what are you reading right now well i'm gearing up for all the november releases and the one just finished yesterday the Last Days of Night, about the electricity. And then Good Liars, a movie coming out with Helen Mirren about internet dating and oh. how that can be a little twisted. I saw the previews yeah. for that, but did not know that was a book. That was a book. Is it, and, the, but the same title? Uh, yes, that one actually does have the same title. Keeping up with the title changes is also another Yes, challenge. how do you keep up with the title changes? Research, research, research. <laughs> okay, because um, that would be... Thank goodness for Google. I know. <laughs> Motherless Brooklyn uh, is one coming out as well in November with Ed Norton. And he, I also produced it, and that was a, a book. That one was supposed to come out a few months ago, and it didn't. It got pushed. And then I Heard You Paint Houses, which is the big death of Jimmy Hoffa oh. um, stuff. That's the one with De Niro, that's Scorsese and Al Pacino, and everybody's uh, Pesci. It's all the mafia guys. That one's probably going direct to Netflix, but I will have my hands full trying to get those three so done. So what one are you in the middle of right now? I just started Good Liar. So I'm trying to do them in order so mm -hmm. that I can knock them off my list. So what did you think about the one about electricity? I thought it was great. I actually learned quite a bit, and it's based – uh, loosely around a the characters are, are real they actually existed including the attorney that's the main character and his wife and the events the timelines he shifted or compressed them but all the events actually kind of happened so, so it it's about Westinghouse and Ed Edison they fought over the patent for the light bulb right and Edison gets all the credit but you know is something that's an improvement upon design a new invention so it's all back in the beginning when all that law just just was created but learning more about how electricity changed and shaped industry. And actually, the, the field I'm in, technology, is the combination of science and business. So that's the birth of technology. And, it, and there's a whole, the whole conclusion of the book talks towards that. And I was just like, 
you know, without these guys, I wouldn't be here. So that one spoke to you a little bit. Yeah, it really did. And and but even just the impact of the electric light bulb to industry, you know, being able to have factories open twenty four seven, the safety of people, and then also the dangers. You know, people were electrocuted all over the place, and they were afraid. So it was it was very interesting. I learned a lot. Left to your druthers, would you normally read some nonfiction? Or uh, did you mainly read it because of the movie? I would not have picked it up on my own. I was glad I read it. Uh, generally, though, I educated things like that, the wild, things that are like all the rave. You know, I want to stay current and be able to carry on a conversation. But generally, I'll go for fiction, mm-hmm. you know, over nonfiction any day. Well, since that was about Edison, I got to give a plug to Thomas Edison House, which is a local historic building here in Louisville. So maybe if anybody does read that book Mm -hmm. and gets super interested about Thomas Edison, they can visit the Thomas Edison House. So it's on East Washington Street. He's not from here, so... No, but he lived here for a while. Yes. We did. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that. And so the home that he... I think it was like his apartment. And so they do, you know, tours and and people can go there. Because I grew up in Jersey and he was like a god, Menlo Park. Yeah. No, he lived here for, I think, a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And there's an apartment or a house or something in Louisville that you can visit. Yeah. 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 If you Google Thomas Edison House Louisville, it'll pop up and, and you can find that information about that. So what about you, Amy? I'm reading a book that's called The Lady from the Black Lagoon, Holiday Monsters and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick by an author named Mallory O'Meara. And this book is part memoir, part biography, part mystery, and how she found out all the information about Millicent Patrick. Uh, It's also a history of behind-the-scenes makeup and special effects of monster movies in Hollywood in the 1940s and 50s. It's about the life and work of a woman named Millicent Patrick, who was the woman who designed one of the great Hollywood movie monsters, The Creature of the Black Lagoon, from 1954, but who in the end was not given any credit for her work. Of Um, course. Of course. And so... Apparently, she's still the only woman to have ever designed one of the iconic movie monsters. Um, the Creature of the Black Lagoon is considered one of those famous movie monsters in the same league with Dracula, the Mummy, Frankenstein, the Invisible Man. I found out about this book because the author is a co-host of a book podcast that I listen to called Reading Glasses. And she's also a horror film producer and screenwriter with independent film companies. And she's been a huge fan of horror movies since she was like a little girl. So this book has a structure, but it's a little bit loose. A lot of the book is based around sort of the Me Too movement. I would say it's sort of a Me Too book because it shows you how the culture in Hollywood, how little women were valued. Uh, except for their looks, how they weren't given credit for their work. Instead, the accolades were laid upon their male superiors. It's also a fascinating look about how studios worked at that time. That's the part that I found the most interesting. I love to watch movies. I don't know a lot of Hollywood history, so I would say that I'm not super educated about that. One of the things Omira points out is that not a lot of things have changed for women in the last 65 years since that happened. In fact, she quotes some numbers that women only make up 12% of movie protagonists and only 29% of even secondary roles. And that even of those, most of them are women who are in their 20s and 30s. Whereas with men, over 40, they make up over half of on-screen characters, and that's including movies like currently. So when Millicent Patrick did do some publicity for the movie when it was coming out, although she was not allowed to say that she was the one who created the monster, she had to say that the guy who was head of makeup for the Universal Studios was in charge of that. But she was always referred 
in all of the magazine articles and interviews, she was always referred to in terms of her beauty. So I wanted to quote one of these newspapers about her. Millicent Patrick, a statuesque beauty abundantly endowed by nature to take full advantage of Hollywood's widescreen techniques. Which, doesn't that make you just want to, like, roll your eyes? Uh, we are rolling yes, our eyes. Yeah. No one can see us except the yeah. three of us, but we're all rolling our eyes. So a lot of this book is about the culture for women in Hollywood back then and even now. Millicent Patrick, who the book is about, she was born in the early part of the 20th century. Her father was a well-known architect who his most notable work was he helped to build Hearst Castle in California. I don't know if you know anything mm-hmm. about Hearst Castle, but so she grew up on the grounds there. And so the first part of the book is sort of talking about her childhood and all the crazy, extravagant, opulent things that were happening. They had a zoo there, the swimming pool. They had to rebuild it four different times because it just wasn't big enough for Hearst. So anyway, the first part of of the book is about that, which was very interesting. And then she was an artist who worked at Disney, and she was their first female animator. She worked on Fantasia. And from there, then she moved to Universal, and she worked on several movies there doing makeup design from pirate movies to space movies. But she was also beautiful. And she did a little bit of acting. She was not very good, but she had bit parts and she did some extras work. But most of the press that she received throughout her life was because of her looks and not from the art and the work that she did. Uh, One of the fun things about this book is that Omira puts a lot of little footnotes in it. And most of them are like funny. They're like funny little asides or quips. Uh, But sometimes it was combined with some pertinent information. One of the things I didn't like about this book is that she also injects a lot of her own experience and angst into the story, which occasionally was interesting, but a lot of times was (laughs) annoying. I would recommend this book mainly for people who are not necessarily true hardcore movie aficionados, because I think if you've read a lot of books about Hollywood or movies, maybe some of this would be stuff that you already knew. But to me, as a person who I haven't read a lot of that, I found it really interesting. It's an enjoyable and it's an easy read that gave me some history of Hollywood that I didn't know. So if somebody's interested in like movie props and makeup and stuff like that, is there enough there that you think they I would think be so. interested I think so. Yeah, because it tells you how they actually create with foam and different things, how they actually create the, the movie monster costumes. They don't talk so much about how they do it now, maybe a little bit, but, but how they used to do that and how they would use makeup. The part about Disney was very interesting, how they had, forget the name of the technology now, Uh, But they used gel screens somehow, and they had to delicately, like, paint and line in all these, especially for Fantasia, all these little, like, little squares of... Anyway. Celluloid. Yes, that's it. Sorry, that's the word. It was a very delicate process. And so I found that really fascinating. So that's why I said there is a lot of movie history in there and how things are actually made that uh, I had never read about before. And I think if you're a person who likes old especially maybe movie monsters, you know, it would be really interesting. Creature feature on Saturday Creature feature. And I think this is the, I think there's the 65th year of Creature of the Black Lagoon. Hmm. How did you find this book? Through that podcast, I had heard about, but it's not, it has been reviewed in the New York Times and the Washington Post. So it's not just like a little, a tiny little indie book. Like it, has traction. It has some traction. I read some reviews after I read it and they said that overall they really liked it. But a lot of people said it was a little scattered and, you know, she never claims to be a, you know, a great author or anything, but I, but I thought it was a fun read. It was an easy read and, and interesting. So there you go. 
All right. Well, when we come back, Kara is going to tell us her top five. We are here with Kara Evans, and she is going to be sharing her top five. So, Kara, top movie snack. Well, coming from Atlanta where we had healthy food, I would order Brussels sprouts. I know that sounds odd, but it's really good. I love good. Brussels sprouts. Um, with bacon. It was fabulous. Um, ahi tuna salads, things like that. Then I moved back here, and I would have to say my choices are a little more limited. Uh, popcorn. 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 I know. It's. I feel like you're either a popcorn person or a candy person in yeah. a movie theater. I'm a popcorn person. And it doesn't feel like you're at the movies unless you're I eating something. I know. And I try not to eat it because it's really not very good for you. But I do. It doesn't feel like I'm at the movies unless I have a little bit of popcorn. And I've even tried popping my own at home, sticking it in my purse and sneaking it in. It's just <gasps> not the same, though. Well, when I cook popcorn at home, I do it the old-fashioned way with the pan and butter like my mom. And when she passed away, I inherited the popcorn pan and her popcorn bowl. So five channels, Sunday night movie was uh, was out there. She would make one thing of popcorn for all seven of us to eat, and you'd watch your movie and have your popcorn, but she got to keep the bowl. You got a paper plate with some <laughs> on there, and when she passed away, she gave me the bowl. Well, normally on this podcast, Carrie's always talking about her cats and her love of cats, and I'm very excited because you are a guest who loves dogs, and I am a dog huge, person. huge dog nerd. So my question for you is, what is your top dog story? I have this fabulous Aussie doodle named Henry, and he's two years old, and he's just full of energy. I had always had Labradors, and he is just a different breed than I've ever had. And he looks a lot like a golden, smart as a whip. And I was on a business trip, and my, at the time she was 16 years old, daughter was home, and she was in charge of Henry and her dog Tucker and our other dog Indy. And I got this phone call in my hotel room saying, Mom, Mom, Henry's stuck. Henry's stuck. Like, stuck what? What are you talking about? She goes, just wait. And she sends me a video, and my dog Henry had put his head in a treat jar and gotten it stuck. And how he did it, I have no idea. And she is videotaping him as her generation, everything has to be documented on her phone (laughs) and shared with the world. Um, So she captured this, and I was like, oh, my God, my dog. Thank God first that she came downstairs because he would have suffocated, you know, the whole into makeup 16-year-old up in your room for hours. So thank God she came down, and then... You know, she she's freaking out. What am I supposed to do? And she's laughing at the same time because it was really comical. Because you showed us a picture, oh. and it looks sort of like a glass cookie jar w- without Big. the lid, and he'd stuck his head in his it. His whole head, he... and the jar was empty. I, it, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was empty to begin with. It Maybe wasn't there like, was it was like a residual a crumb. Or I have something. no idea. But his whole head was in that thing, and it's really funny. So we lived really close to the fire department, and I told her, you know, take him down to the firehouse. You know, they have jaws of life. They can cut through metal. They can figure out how to get his head out of that, because this is my love. I mean, I really bonded with this dog, and she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's embarrassing. I'm like, and killing my dog would not be? I'm thinking, oh my God. (laughs) So we hang up, and she calls me back, and she sends me another picture, and this time she has cut the top so his head is still in there. So look, think of the Elizabethan the cones. collars. We call them the, the cones head. of shame. So, <laughs> so when they have surgery, but like that, but it, it's a jar stuck to his head and his little head's in there and you can see how sweaty he was and she cut the top off so at least he could breathe. But now she still had to figure out how to get his head out. So eventually she gets it out and then, you know, her siblings, really, Katie, you videotaped this? You, you didn't rescue mom's dog. It's all about the, yes. the video. Yes, how many clicks? Oh yeah, <laughs> Henry got lots of followers and she said like fun on Sunday night 
Raiders. <laughs> My, My daughter, dogs. when she was young, we had this golden doodle who was, she was large. She was like a standard size poodle size. So her name was Mango. And she, Mango runs downstairs one day and she has red all around her lip right in the front. I mean, dogs don't really have lips, but if they could, you know, imagine if they could. And my daughter, who was, I think was like three at the time, had taken my lipstick and put it like all right around there to make it look like she had lips. So there's mine. Mine drew on the white Labradors, drew eyebrows on oh, them yeah. because they couldn't see their eyebrows. Yeah. But she thought they needed some. <laughs> I will say, cats, you really don't do this kind of stuff with cats. No. Because, well, unless you dress them up. I guess some cats you can you know, hold them down and dress them up. But I don't have any really good cats. Cats just aren't quite like as that. fun as dogs. No, they not in that respect. No. The Cats, T.S. Eliot's poem, uh-huh. is coming to the movies in December, and that's on our list. I saw that, cool. but the previews, it looks kind of creepy. It's but, kind of a CGI plus animation together. Yeah. Right? CGI I, it and real people. It kind of makes me feel weird when I say <laughs> yeah. It's a little creepy. It's a little Taylor creepy. Swift's in it, Jennifer Hudson. My next question for you is, do you have a top movie memory from when you were a kid? I would say going to see the 10th anniversary. It was my first time in a real movie theater with my sister for Mary Poppins and doing the drive-in, smuggling my sister in because she was six foot one and nobody would believe she was a kid. So my mother would have her lay across the bottom of the thing, being in pajamas and have my mom bring popcorn and, and sleeping bags in the back of the station wagon. And those jumbo station wagons, not the cute little SUVs we drive today. Did it, did it have the wood paneling oh, on yeah. the side? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I took my driver's license in the next generation of one, but when I was yeah. a kid, the pop-up seats that you faced each other, you know, seatbelts that really weren't that important back then. <laughs> yeah. But going to the drive-in, we didn't have the movies a lot because, you know, going to a regular movie theater, you know, seven kids won their schedules and... And, and it's uh, expensive. And it's expensive. So I didn't really start going to the movies probably until... I was older, like high school, college, routinely. And then to me, it was a treat. It was always a treat. Well, I have a a movie memory. It's not from my childhood, but I was born in Louisville and have lived here my whole life. And so the Vogue Theater on Lexington Road, which is now no longer a theater, but I have really good memories of going there and seeing movies, not when I was a child, but in college. And actually, one of my fondest memories, my husband, it was this was before he was my husband. We were dating. This movie came out in 1994. It was called Farinelli. And it was, it's an art film. It is an art film. Yes. He was a, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that, right, right. So it was about this young singer during Handel's time. I believe it might've been the first movie my husband and I went to see together. And so I have fond memories of that. Not just because it was the Vogue, but also because it was one of my first dates with my husband. So, well, my fondest memory is probably my first memory of ever going to see a movie in a movie theater. And I was probably four or five years old. Maybe I went to see one before that, but this is the first one I can remember. And it was when Star Wars came out into the movie theater. My family was visiting my aunt and her family, and my mother was taking my cousin to go see that movie. I, she just wanted to do something special with her nephew. And they, they took me along. And the thing I remember is the scene in Star Wars where it was like the trash compactor. Mm-hmm. And there was like some that. kind of creature like down in the water. And I vividly remember that scene from the movie and going to see Star Wars. But after that, I was always a Star Wars lover. Kara, what is the top book that you would like to see made into a movie? I'll tell you. Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. <laughs> 
is a fabulous book. And they made a mini series, but didn't do its justice. I would love to see that in the big screen. Fabulous book. He actually wrote all his spy th thrillers, supposedly, um, I remember reading, just to be able to afford to do the research oh, wow. to, to write that book. It's just fantastic. And the, the part two of it, which came out 20 years later, was just as good. That's one of probably my all-time favorite book that I reread often. And then the other one is a sequel to The Notebook. It's called The Wedding by Nicholas Sparks, and it's just a sweet little story. And as much as The Notebook can get you bawling, this one would too. And I think that would make a nice, nice move. We read Pillars of the Earth in our book club years ago, but it's like 700 pages. Oh, and huge. I love the book, but there were a lot of people who were not happy about <laughs> oh, having it. Who were, yeah. who were complaining. Yeah, who were complaining about that But you get engrossed one. it. You yes. feel like you're in that time. The way he writes, and it's different than how he wrote like Eye of the Needle or things like that. The amount that he describes things, he just paints such a picture. You learn stuff along the way. And I like books where you're learning along the way. But you also get enmeshed in the characters and their struggle and their values and, and things like that. And I was all excited when I saw that there's this mini series and it wasn't so good. Skip it. <laughs> but read the book. Last question is the top movie you love to hate. Any movie. Any movie? Any movie. Well, I would say that Clan of the Cave Bears with Daryl Hannah <laughs> ranks up there at the top. I pretty much can entertain any movie and see, see value in them because it's art. But other movies, I don't really hate movies. I don't like ones that are too realistic with death even books i can't read books where children get hurt mm -hmm. or, or attacked or raped or abducted so since i became a mom i couldn't read those did you see so those movies like the lovely me. bones yes and that i found that very disturbing yeah. very disturbing but i read it mm. just because it was so acclaimed it was that was back when oprah was like the only book club out there right. and now there's so many did right. you see the movie <clears throat> yeah oh, and that was that tough. was it was disturbing yeah but you know some of those sometimes you ha you watch them to kind of wake yourself up, that led to a whole discussion with my children on safety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because they were of that age, that middle school age, and they think stuff doesn't happen to them. So. You know, you can learn something from everything. So maybe even mm -hmm. a bad movie. Maybe that wasn't a bad movie, but it was not the movie it's for you. It's a bad you. adaptation. Yeah. yeah. I talked about a book on the podcast, Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson, which is a book I loved, but uh -huh. a movie version of it came out a few years ago, and it was awful. It had Robert Redford and uh, Nick Brenner. Nolte. Oh. It had Nick Nolte in it, and it was horrible. In fact, I walked out in the middle of it. It was so bad. Now, perhaps that was because it was one of my – it was a book that I really, really enjoy, and I just thought that they did not do a good job, partly because in the book, uh, Bill Bryson and his friend are in their mid-40s. But in the movie, I mean, Robert Redford and Nick Nolte, they're in their 70s. Well, that makes a big difference if you're hiking. <laughs> like, it's not really the same story at that point. <laughs> That's a movie that I – personally love to hate well Kara, it has been so great to have you this has been a really great discussion and i'm a huge movie and book fan and maybe you'll see me at one of your your movies <laughs> coming up she'll have to squeeze it in between the speed and carmichael's author talk so wow. <laughs> thanks so much for coming and talking to us today you're most welcome i enjoyed it thanks for joining us today for show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. 
finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.